We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I just knew I had a bigger heart than him. You know, he called himself a man, but he liked to put his hands on women. So... Forget that guy, I got much, much more heart than he has. You know, walk around there, rise and find that ass. everybody and welcome to another episode of the corner podcast this week's episode of the corner is brought to you by casper mattresses casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost you know me and andreas are always covering events we're always writing articles but when we do have time to sleep we lay our head down on a nice pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. You already know it's Kel Dansby and Andreas Hale coming back at you after a week off. I'll explain that later. 
Um, it's great to bring you guys the best in combat sports, boxing, pro wrestling, MMA, a little bit of pop culture references thrown in there, some Twitter beef. We got it all this week. So let's start off on something I need your opinion on. Your boy, Chris Brown. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I've seen your Twitter rants, man. Let's let's go. Man, okay. I'm, I, I have an issue with this Chris Brown thing. And it's, it's you know, the new news that, uh, you know, Karuchi has a restraining order. You know, the kid needs help, man. And I, and I have an issue with us boosting up artists who clearly have issues. You know, like Chris Brown just announced a tour. He's about to go on tour and make a bunch of money, which basically makes him bulletproof. Um, you know, when he beat up Rihanna, and when I worked at BET at the time, and I was like on that entire story from front to back. It was like he disappeared for a year and he came back and it was like, yeah, I'm sorry. And he, he did the Good Morning America interview where he threw a chair out the window. I think a lot of people forgot about that. He had <laughs> anger management issues and it was evident. And after watching like the Bobby Brown, um, the new edition documentary, and I've read Bobby Brown's book. Yo, you can't you be in. You can't support people who have issues because they're never going to realize what they're doing. And Chris Brown at this point is a guy because he's not a kid anymore. He's an adult. And he's a guy who clearly has issues. And people are like, why didn't Cruci say something earlier? That's not how this shit works. Like, you don't blame the victim. But he need, they, dude, there's something wrong with him. And, it, you know, somebody else can go sing those songs. You know, like, yo, Chris Brown fans were pissed at me because they were just like, <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, take his personal life out of it. No, his personal life is like his music life is his personal life. And that's the reason why he acts out the way he acts out today. So he needs help, man. I don't know him personally. Um, I and obviously, you know, I, I know people like him and been in those situations. And, you know, I think everybody knows somebody who's been through some kind of domestic abuse. And if you sympathize with that situation, then maybe you can understand that, you know, Chris Brown, he may not be the worst dude ever. But some people, trash people are just trash people who need help. And once you admit that you're trash, then you can get some help. And Chris Brown, you know, I was on Instagram talking about, you know, I'm going to stalk you and all this stuff. Dude, <laughs> the, evidence, the evidence is there. Like, yo, why are you people still, you know, saying that it's not Chris Brown's fault? Leave him alone. What are we leaving alone? He's doing it to himself. Like, he, he just, the kid needs help. He's so you know, proud of it. So proud of the stalking ways. Yeah, it's, it's like it's once you're with me, you're only with me. Like that's creepy in every other scenario if it's not Chris Brown, because yeah, it's Chris it, Brown. Like there's like three people, like Chris Brown, Trey Songs. I don't know, maybe like Future. They can say any creepy shit they want, and it's just like, oh, oh my god, and girls just love it. Like they don't care. They'd be like, oh, relationship goals. It's like, no, he's fucking crazy, and he's probably gonna stalk you and jump in your whip when you're just out with your friends. Like yeah, it's just, and I've done some crazy things in the name of love. I ain't jumping in nobody's just car randomly and following them home. Yeah, I mean, you just can't, you know what I'm saying? Especially women who support this. It's just like, all right, man, it's like, y'all part of the problem for real. Like, if you're just because he's Chris Brown, doesn't give him a pass to just beat up women or stalk women or whatever the hell he wants to do. It's like, yo, y'all gotta chill with that shit. But it's, I think he needs another break, man. Like going on tour and making more money isn't going to make Chris Brown a better person. It's just going to make him a worse person and speed up and expedite his tour of celebrity rehab in like 2020 because that's where he's heading at this rate. So he man, needs I'm, help. I'm here for the E True Hollywood story. I mean, it's inevitable, right? Like, it's, it's this is not a story that's going to end well the way it's going right now. No, not many do though, right? Like, it's it's not in the cards for a lot of people who reach that 
level of success. And to be fair, he's a child star. Child stars are the most weird. Oh, yeah, because they get it too early. Yeah, he popped off at like 15, 16. So, yeah, he's. I don't want to wish bad on nobody, but the crash and burn is coming. It's, it's inevitable. And it happens to a lot of child celebrities. Because they really like either their parents don't know how to reel them in, or it's too much too soon, or they're giving like like stories about like Drew Barrymore when she used to go to like uh, uh, Studio sixty one whatever in New York when she was like fourteen and was doing like coke. That's you get a pass because you're a child. But when you give a child that pass, what do you think happens to them when they become an adult? Fortunately, Drew Barrymore became a, a great actress, but they all go to like rehab. That's just crazy, man. These kids need help. Yeah, you seen Orlando Brown lately? He's hilarious. He's on yes. some new wave type of drugs. He's um, scary too. Dog. Yeah, that He's... shit's crazy. Um, the other thing about Chris Brown, Soldier Boy said he backed out of the fight. Man, I know you were looking forward to this fight. We had our calendar circled in Vegas. Man, we don't get Chris Brown versus Soldier Boy. Yo, I don't know who to believe, and that's the thing that gets me more than anything else. All right, is it is it really so like? Soldier Boy needs just as much help as Chris Brown. <laughs> like, yo, I, I don't care. Like, I, I, I joke about it because I was just like, yo, it, was this really a serious thing? And that's why I kept saying, I was like, this is a joke that went on far too long. And I'm glad the joke's finally over because I, I don't care to really see this fight happen. But uh, for that minute there, people were like, yo, Chris Brown versus Soldier Boy, and I'm like, no, <laughs> this is stupid. Like, I wouldn't mind four round celebrity boxing matches. Like, yeah, you got but beef, let's just throw the gloves. My problem is, is that they were going to get paid off of this bullshit. So it's like, it's, it's just, it becomes dumb. At a certain point, it's like, this is really stupid. And again, it's two people that need help. Because Soulja Boy ain't no better. Like, that dude, he just as bad, clearly. I mean, I didn't know he was a L.A., uh, you know, Pyru. I don't know where that shit came from. He's not from but, L.A. I don't know. I, I exactly. guess you just get honorary memberships now. I don't, it's I don't like know. Gold's Gym or something. I, I don't know. You pay a certain amount, they give That's you a t-shirt. Crazy. You can wear a red bandana. <laughs> it's um, nuts, man. It's bananas. So thinking about all this Chris Brown nonsense uh, got me thinking why I missed the show last week. So to everyone who was wondering why I wasn't here, it's because I couldn't do the show. I had been broken up with my relationship, yada, yada, yada. That was my first time ever being broken up with, heartbroken, I was going to do the show, but she don't want to hear a co-host sobbing uncontrollably on the air. So, during the midst of this breakup, um, which is my fault, it is what it is, you know, being young, stupid, and 28 years old, I was looking for some really good breakup R&B music. There is none of that in 2017. No, man, that's, that's, that, that era is over. Like, I was, you know, the new edition movie got me thinking, like, Boys to Men and all this. Like, there's some good stuff, like, 90s. I, I'm not really messing with the 80s stuff. You know, if it's not New Jack Swing and on, I'm really not messing with it just because I ain't trying to listen to, like, my grandmama's music. But, like, good 90s music, there's some good, like, Drew Hill had some just heartbreaking songs. Like, I'm, there's none of that from, like, 06 on. Nah. Like, it, I mean... I was looking through Trey Song's weekend. Like, if I'm not trying to pop mad drugs and, like, just smash everything moving, there's really nothing for me in this breakup music category. You know, man, I talk about this with people all the time, just how R&B music has changed over the years. And a lot of people blame hip-hop, and it's, I don't necessarily want to blame hip-hop, but at the same time, it's like you've seen a lot of these R&B singers adopt 
rapper personas. And the crazy thing is there are more rappers who talk about breaking up than R&B singers. Like Drake talks about breaking up and dealing with relationships more than most R&B singers. But I don't know where that element of it went. The element of uh, subtlety, the element of uh, trying to court a woman, that's done. Now it's all about like, yo, either we fucking or we're doing drugs. One of the two, and I'm going to sing to you about it and you're going to like it. (laughs) And it's weird because it's like, yo, and most of these singers don't really sing. They sing rap. And it's like, and I kind of blame R. Kelly for that because it was really the R. Kelly era that really got this like singing rap style started. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's like nobody really, like there is no foreplay in music anymore. Like there's really no like, oh, let's get you, let's get the candles lit. Let's do a dinner. It's like, yo, I'm coming through. My draws are already off. And this is what it is. And here, pop this smiley while you're at it. Like, that's like every song nowadays. It sucks, but it's a sign of the times. I know it's like people are going to be like, oh, Andreas is telling people to get off his lawn again. Well, maybe. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, I, it's just, I don't enjoy it like I used to. Yeah, it brought it into perspective for me. Because literally, only thing I could listen to was Drake and Joe Budden. In which <laughs> I could only listen to OLS 1 through 4 so many times. So... You know, it's just like when I got to go to Joe Budden, which you, everyone on podcast knows is one of my favorites. But when I got to go there for like the heartbreak records, like Joey's a whole different type of heartbreak. Joey's yeah. like, you make you want to jump off a bridge type shit. Like I kind of want like the, you broke my heart, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Romance music. There's none of that anymore, man. We got to bring that back. If there's yeah. anything we bring back in the next couple of years, we can get rid of the Chris Browns. Let's bring some like soul food dudes back. And I... Listen, I never thought I'd see the day where I missed, like, Jaheim. Like, I used to hate, like, hate Jaheim. But, like, there's no dudes like that. You know how dope Jaheim would be right now if he was new? There's, like, no one left like that. And I listened nah. to the Future album. Mm-hmm. In which it was just like, okay, it's just mad trap stuff. I liked it better than his other stuff. But still, I'm like, this is the dude who's, quote, unquote, a singer? Like, right. I guess he's a rapper. I don't know how to qualify. He's a rapper that sings. To me, they're all crooners, and they all just rob Max B blind because um, yeah. they just stole the wave. But, I'm I'm not a fan of it, any of it, so whatever. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, no good music right now. Um, but besides my heartbreak, I was still able to watch combat sports this weekend, and we had UFC Halifax. Um, where is that? Nova Scotia. Yeah, Canada. Canada. Um, the Black Beast versus Travis Brown. We got to start there. I don't care that it's the main event. <laughs> How great is Derek Lewis? This guy has to be champion. I don't care. By hook or by crook. Because oh. his troll jobs are amazing. This made him a star. He's not a superstar in the UFC um, by any means yet. But people are now realizing what we've known for like two years. Because we follow him on Twitter and interviewed him. Derek Lewis is a star. Yeah. Got a very unique personality. It's funny because, you know, this was an interesting fight. Because Travis Brown had only lost two top five guys for the most part. And Derek Lewis is, hasn't beaten anybody that's really been great except for Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson doesn't even qualify as great. So we really didn't know what Derek Lewis was getting into with Travis Brown. And what we found out was, yo, Derek Lewis has some issues. Like the body kicks, you know, talking about boo booing, like Derek Lewis is nuts. <laughs> but we know that if Derek Lewis lands, you're going to sleep. And in a heavyweight division that's always been, that's never really had a champion that can last longer than two title defenses, 
and never really had and hasn't had a champion in a long time with a great personality, it would be really interesting to see Derek Lewis become the champion. Um, him smashing Travis Brown the way he did, because for a minute I was like, yo, he's going to get done in by these body kicks. Like I, I was at a certain point, I was like, he's going to lose. But then he landed. And the best part about the fight, if anybody was watching on TV, was Todd Grisham for his first because it was his first night on commentary, which he, I thought he did an excellent job, by the way. Todd Grisham yells, Travis, get out of there. I like <laughs> to have died. Because I haven't, it, one, it made me think that Ty Grisham still had a little bit of WWE in him when he did that. But for two, it was that, I was thinking the same thing. Because he was getting cracked. And I was like, why is he just standing here getting cracked in the face like this? But it epitomizes what Derek Lewis is. You, in it, you, if you're in range, he's going to crush you. So get out of there while you can. Fight him at a distance. You're going to have to use... Um, range, body kicks, leg kicks. There's a there's a formula to beat Derrick Lewis, but nobody has been able to sustain that formula over the course of a three to five round fight. Um, and then the post fight interview, which you can talk about, was amazing. Oh, the post fight interview that that was the best part of it. I mean, you know, except for maybe the ref not stopping it early enough, and you just getting to see the Black Beast just pummel Mr. Rousey on the ground until he's unconscious. The post fight where one, he mentions the kicks. He mentions his stomach problems that were really the problem in the first round. Um, he talks about Travis Brown's domestic violence, which was completely hush-hush. It's like Ronda's first loss. Like, the UFC never mentioned it at all. Right. I know the charges were dropped, all this stuff. Cool, guilty until proven innocent. Or innocent until proven guilty. But still, it's there. There were pictures. No one mentions it. And then he's just like, hey, Ronda, come holler at a real man, like, like it's the best way to get back at someone. It's There's no remorse for knocking someone out. And that's what I love to see. He's like, I come here, I knock people out, I leave here. I'm not sorry for you. There's no sportsmanship. I, I'm coming here to conquer. I want to raid your village. I want to take your women. That's what Derek Lewis did. And he did it in the best fashion. And Travis Brown can't say a damn thing about it. Because he got knocked out. Again, <laughs> again. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, uh, again, I like to see where Derrick Lewis goes from here. I, he broke his foot. He posted that on Instagram. Um, he said he wanted to take some time off. So there you go. He got a little vacation. But I expect to see him back later this year against, I, I'm not really sure who. Who does Derrick Lewis fight next? I'm intrigued by pretty much anybody in the heavyweight division. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him versus Dos Santos. If, if Junior loses to uh, Stipe, uh, there's a lot of people. I just wouldn't. I don't care, actually. Whoever Derek Lewis fights, just let it be somebody in the top five. Um, you, dude, the winner or loser of the Overeem-Mark Hunt fight next week. Mark Hunt versus Derek Lewis needs to happen. There it is. That's the fight I want to see. Yeah, but we saw Mark Hunt get rocked by Brock Lesnar. Yeah, but that's Brock Lesnar. Like, Brock Lesnar's a wrestler. Like, Mark Hunt's going to stand to bang. Derek Lewis is going to stand to bang. Mark Hunt has the one hit a quitter. So I'd like to see these two just, you know, it might be like a cardio fail from the beginning. Like it might be horrible <laughs> over the course of five rounds. But I guarantee you whoever lands first is probably going to win that fight. So I'm here for it. And Mark Hunt's got, he's got a, a, a hard hit. Um, he's been knocked out by like Junior Dos Santos. He got knocked out by Fabricio Verdun. But for the most part, Hunt can take a lot of punishment. Like we'll see what happens against Overeem, who is a polished striker with a glass jaw. But uh, I'd love to see Hunt versus uh, Derek Lewis. See, I'd love to see Reem versus Derek Lewis. 
Yeah, see, my problem with that is Alistair Overeem kicks a lot harder than Travis Brown. And as if you remember, he kicked like he kicked the diverticulitis out of Brock Lesnar when they fought. <laughs> so I don't know what happens if he gets in there and kicks Derek Lewis in the stomach. Derek's gonna have to do some sit-ups or something. And that's what Derek um, needs. He needs those stylistic matchups where it's just not easy anymore. He needs top five guys, so which Overeem somehow still is. And fast. <laughs> and he needs bad style matchups. Because even a Verdum down the road is gonna kick the hell out of him. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to learn one way or another. <laughs> yeah, like fight. Verdum, Kane, all these guys are diverse strikers. So Derek Lewis has to get in there with a diverse striker. I, I would love to see him as a champion one day. I'm not sure he gets there because, what, Francis Ngannou is in the division now too? And that guy's a lot more diverse than Derek Lewis. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of frightening guys there. But as long as Derek Lewis is around, I'm going to be entertained. So there's oh, yeah. that. There's hope for the heavyweight division. Get some new blood up there. Um, real quick, other things. Johnny Hendricks came back, won the fight uh, against Hector Lombard. How do you like him at that weight, 185? Um, I think he needs to be at weight. However, he's too small. This is the only fight that he'll have where he doesn't, he's not at a distinct size and reach disadvantage. Because like Hector Lombard's like small for middleweight as well. Um, and... I think between the two of them, they had the shortest reach ever in a middleweight fight. So that fight, good for, for Johnny winning that fight. But can you really see Johnny Hendricks fighting a Luke Rockhold? Like, that's frightening <laughs> in terms of height and reach. Because you saw what happened when he fought Wonderboy. Wonderboy had, he, he has middleweight height and reach. Luke Rockhold, Jacare, Yoel Romero. I mean, come on, man. I can't see Johnny Hendricks getting far. But this is the only way he can compete because he can't make welterweight. So, yeah, he just has to collect the check. Yeah, good for him for winning. Um, this is kind of where I don't know how it affects his power in the long run. Um, you know, he didn't really catch Lombard with anything too significant in this fight. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, he's going to fight, collect a few checks, but he's not going to be – I don't think he'll be competitive in terms of competing for a heavy, uh, middleweight title in the near future. I don't think so, but it helps him when he becomes Johnny Bellator because he can compete in middleweight in Bellator, I think. Um, that's pretty much it from this card. That's crazy. Carla Esparza, who was still ranked number three in the women's division, took the L to Randall Marcos, which was crazy. Um, yeah. Sarah McMahon looked great. Felder's TKO was nice. It was a decent card. It was what it was, man. But it's, it's, a, it's a bigger sign of things to come because the, the UFC has an issue without Conor McGregor, without Ronda Rousey. Like These cards don't really matter as much anymore. Yeah. People are, you know, losing interest because if Conor's not fighting, well, then what am I watching for? That's what a lot of people are starting to act like. So, well, two hundred nine yeah. seems to be stacked. Two ten is on its way. Two hundred nine is stacked for MMA fans. Two hundred nine is not necessarily stacked for casual fans. Um, Wonder Boy and Woodley, which we'll talk about more next week, is a very, very good fight. Ferguson Khabib is a phenomenal fight that I really can't wait to see. And the winner of that is basically in the Conor McGregor sweepstakes. And uh, that fight probably will get more attention afterward than the than Wonderboy and Woodley sadly will. Uh, because the winner fights Conor. And people care about Conor and want to know who he's going to fight next. So, yeah. Wonderboy um, Woodley probably fights Maya. And then it's just like, ah, all right. Yeah, I mean, unless GSP decides to jump back in the fray, which we can talk about in a minute. But uh, the welterweight division, like, I love the welterweight division. I think it's extraordinarily competitive. But without Conor McGregor, nobody cares about anything. So it's what the UFC's got to deal with. Yeah, um, GSP, I, it's so hard for me to see him cut down 
to 170. We talk about GSP now, by the way. Um, to cut down to 170 again if it's not for a Connor fight. Because he just looks bigger. He's a little older. The motivation to cut that weight, it was, you know, when you can rehydrate using IVs and all this stuff. So much has changed in the UFC since he last fought. I'm not sure if he can make 170 anymore. Um, That's why the Bisping fight seems so interesting to me because it's just fast track him. You have the softest champion at probably your best weight class. Give GSP one more run at a title. Give him the opportunity to be a two-division champion. Make that money, and you get two money fights because he's beating Bisping. Whoever gets Bisping next is beating it. Yeah, um, while that's true, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he, I mean, he's even teased that he can make lightweight. He's, he's like GSP saying a lot of stuff. So wherever he goes, I, I obviously want to see him fight Bisping. I think that's great for him, but I think it's even better for Bisping. Bisping is a guy who's been around for a long time, and uh, you know he finally got the title shot. Nobody ever thought he'd be champion, and I kind of want to see him cash out. Uh, he's only got a couple fights left, and you know, let's be honest. And fighting got somebody like Yoel Romero is just going to get Bisping killed. So <laughs> fight GSB in the biggest fight that you could possibly have. Um, make a bunch of money. If you lose, if you win, hey, have another fight. But if you lose, you know, you just made a lot of money. And I think Bisping's lost enough fights to know, you know, you got to know when to fold him. And if he loses to GSP, he probably says, you know what, I'm going to call it a night. Um, but I think that's the fight to make. Other than that, you know, GSP maybe uh, – Nick or Nate Diaz could be intriguing to me um, just because of the buildup to the fight. Uh, and I, I really don't know what GSP has left in the tank. St. Pierre has been through a lot. You know, he got hit a lot in his last few fights. Uh, Hendricks obviously gave him uh, the blues in that fight, which, good Lord, how the UFC has changed since that fight. Um, but St. Pierre is a guy who still is an attraction. I just don't think he's a huge mainstream attraction. Um, he's a great UFC attraction. Like people who watch UFC is like, oh, I know who that guy is. Like Hoist Gracie was. But other than that, I don't know if he's gonna be like cracking a million pay per view by by himself. Yeah, I don't think so. But once again, they gotta pay the man like he is. Of um, course. But Nick Diaz is great if he needs a tune up fight. And I'm not trying to you know dismiss Nick Diaz as a fighter, but that's what it is. It's a tune up fight. Because we've seen that already. We've seen GSP dominate that fight. Because if you don't attack the Diaz brothers, they're <clears throat> they're just going to be, I guess, content in staying on the outside and slapping you. And that doesn't win rounds. No, that's true. So they're pretty much okay. Um, Let's see what else we have, though. After that, anything else in UFC? Oh, we have, not in UFC, but we have Bellator. Oh, God. And no Fedor. The best thing about Fedor all week was the ugly sweater, it turns out. Yeah, which I, I'm still fascinated how this thing has gotten so much traction. Now they're auctioning it off, and there's all this conversation about Fedor's sweater. But, yeah, um, no Fedor fight. Mitrion had kidney stones. had to drop out uh, literally at the last minute before the card went live. So that was horrible. It's terrible for Bellator, which is still struggling for relevancy. Um, and, you know, the rest of the car was what it was. Uh, Pitbull knocked out Josh Thompson. And uh, the rest of the, uh, I don't really remember anything else that was too memorable off of this car. And that's the problem that I'm having with Bellator these days is that I kind of just don't care. Like, I watch the, the cars, and they don't ever leave me with anything to care about. If it's not Michael Page, um, there's nobody that I really care to see. Now we get Rory McDonald versus Paul Daly, which I'll be interested in seeing when they fight in London. But... 
Aside, that's an old UFC. Those are two guys who fought in the UFC. So Bellator is still struggling to, to build stars. The Mitrion Fado fight was something they could have hung their hat on and said, "We, hey, we have a, a guy who never fought in the UFC, which is Fedor. But unfortunately, that fight's not happening now. Who knows if it ever really does come off at this point? Because, you know, not not blaming Mitrion, but who knows what kind of shape Fedor's going to be in. No, that's true. Um you don't want Fedor to wait, right? You want to capitalize on the youngest Fedor possible. And he's not young. So um, you, just every day is more wear and tear on his body. He has to go through another camp. You got to hope that he's healthy through another camp. So many risks now. Um, that's why you had to kind of pull the gun on him. So we'll see if they miss the boat. Uh, Bellator at this point is Bellator. What do we expect, right? It's, it's our fault for expecting that fight to go through. Yeah, I mean, but that's a freak accident, man. I mean, kidney stones, kidney stones is something that, like, I had a kidney stone before. Kidney stones is something that once you pass it, you're good. The fact was, is Bichon just couldn't pass the kidney stone before the fight. So the, the pain that you have to deal with from a kidney stone, it's unbearable. So he, he probably, he made weight, um, and he thought that he'd be fine because that kidney stone could float around. It doesn't really affect you till it, it lands somewhere um to, to clog like the passage so i guess it landed there before the fight and it just it just ruined everything so blame kidney stones um injury by kidney stone sucks yeah i mean and he passed it in the airport i can't imagine no oh, that's like, it's awful listen i that's one thing i never want in my life please don't give me a kidney stone i'm i might drink water right now during this next break just yeah. to, just to make sure i'm good um but we're going to take a break right now when we get back, we're talking boxing. Not a lot to talk about, but we got a fight to recap. We have a fight to preview. Boxing's really starting to heat up. So this is probably one of the last weeks I can say we don't have a lot to talk about. So stay tuned after the break. We're bringing boxing to you. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. And if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, quick break. We are back. We got to talk boxing. We got to talk one of Andres Hale's favorite boxers. No, oh, God, told don't me this do it. personally. Adrian Broner came oh. out with the ski mask and Kodak Black. 
I know you were impressed by the entrance, the antics. You wrote a piece about Adrian Broner last week. I wrote a recap of the fight. It was very similar in our opinions <laughs> of Adrian Broner, where it's just like, I thought you promised us something different, right? I thought we said we're seeing a new focused Adrian Broner. Man, Adrian Broner, like people think I'm an Adrian Broner hater, and I'm really not. And and the, the thing is, is that I can I can only talk about what I see with my two eyes. And every time I watch Adrian Broner fight, he's the same guy who had fought the last few times, which is he's extremely flat-footed. He moves in two modes, offense and defense. He gets hit way too much for my liking, and he doesn't have a lot of power at 147, or any for that matter. So fighting Adrian Grenados, who is a friend of his, quote-unquote, is a guy who he should have ran over. It's not a guy who should have been in a competitive fight with. But alas, Adrian Broner gets in this fight and gets hit a lot. Um, he has spurts of offense that works. He throws one punch at a time, occasionally he'll throw combinations. But his combinations are not – when you watch Adrian Broner fight, his combinations are not very crisp. They're very wide. Like he'll throw a wide hook, a wide uppercut. And he'll try to load up on some of the, you know, some on the back of his combinations, but he doesn't have a lot of power anymore. So I just wasn't impressed. And my piece in the Ring Magazine was Adrian Broner's last stand. And people were like, well, he's a four division champ. And Glasses Malone used to argue this point with me all the time. But he's the weakest four division champ I've ever seen in boxing. Because what is his most impressive fight? You know, when, when was the last time that he impressed you? And when I asked that question, people were like, I don't know. And it's true because he does more impressive things, which aren't really impressive outside of the ring, than he does inside of the ring. You know, Gavin Rees, like, who the hell is Gavin Rees? Like, he's he's just not that good. And his time is up. There's after watching this fight, I don't want to see him in there with a top 10 guy. He doesn't he's not a top 10 or a top 15 147 pounder right now. So No, and he can't make 140 anymore. No, it, that's the problem. He can't make 140. But I said like a long time ago, the way when I when I shot a documentary with Broner and I watched him eat and he kept saying he assured me like I'm still young. I can do what I want. But as you get older, if you don't take care of your body when you're young, you're not going to be able to make that weight as you grow up. And he can't make it. And 147, clearly he's too small for and he doesn't have the power. Um, so I, I really don't know where he goes from here. He won. He won the fight. But. He edged. He barely won that fight. Barely. It was, it's a rough night. If you're an Adrian Broner fan, I just don't know what to tell you because I, I have no idea what you're a fan for. Because um, he's not that exciting and his out-of-the-ring antics only make him more frustrating to watch. No, yeah, and that's the thing. Even out-of-the-ring stuff aside, in the ring, he was tentative. He took rounds off. At the end of rounds, he didn't finish them. He made that fight a lot closer than it had to be. He's still fighting like Floyd, but he doesn't have the skills of Floyd. Right. He doesn't. The what he was outthrown three punches to one in that fight. Yeah. You just he's not active enough. Yeah, you're, he's not active to pull the trigger. I don't know if Maidana just scared the hell out of him and changed his whole boxing style. But when he was at weight or light classes, he at least opened up. At one forty-seven, he won't open up. He'll throw one punch, land clean, and not throw flurries of combos. There was three times in that fight where he threw a three-punch combo or more. I'd say three off the top of my mind. And all of those combos landed. And you're just like, okay, Broner, he's open. Just get him out of here. The guy's been dropped six times in his career. Get him out of here. And he just wouldn't do it. A lot of those uppercuts by Broner landing clean. 
in the clinch, you know, just real good clinch work. But then he gets outthrown because he only throws one uppercut, no follow-up. At a distance, he had the reach disadvantage. He's still landing clean, never throws follow-ups. It's just like, man, Adrian Broner's destined to beat up on guys like this, capture the little paper championships, and then get fed to legit prospects. And I hope he stays. And I hope Errol Spence wins. And I hope for some reason they give Broner the Errol Spence title fight. Yeah, they're not even going to do that. Like, I'm looking at Adrian Broner's record, and I remember um, the fight that a lot of people thought he lost. You go all the way back to 2011 against Daniel Ponce de Leon. And then from there, he knocked out Jason Litzow, and then he kind of, he fought a bunch of bums. He fought Eloy Perez, Vicente Escobedo, um, Antonio DeMarco was probably his most uh, significant performance. Then he knocked out Gavin Rees. Now, after he knocked out Gavin Rees, he fought Pauly Malignaggi. And if people remember, people thought he was going to wash Pauly, but that fight was very close. A lot of people thought Pauly won because of Pauly's activity. Yeah. So it was interesting listening to Pauly give commentary on this fight because you could tell he was clearly frustrated with what he was watching because he was like, I could probably still beat this guy if you give me a chance. Yeah, he's, because- he's not objective, by the way. That's what I got that whole time. I was like, yo, you're not being objective at all. It's like Pauly's still a little salty. He is, and I get why he's salty, because you watch what Adrian Broner has become, and he makes a lot of money for these fights, but he's just not that good. And after the Malinaji fight is when he ran into Maidana, and he got mowed down. Um, and then, you know, he's gotten beat by Sean Porter, and he's won three in a row against Renatos, Ashley Theofame, and Khabib Alakardiv, which is like, dude, what? Yeah. So, I mean, come on, like, at 147, who are you going to fight? You know, he's that, I mean, Errol Spence? No. Um... Kel Brook, no. Uh, who? Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter again? Absolutely not. Who is this guy going to fight that you're going to legitimately say that he has a chance at winning? And I, I really don't know the answer to that. No, I don't. Listen, you got to feed him to a top prospect. It just is what it is. I mean, do we want to see him versus Birdo? Probably not. Actually, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, but <laughs> both guys are really fighting to see who gets fed to the next top prospect. Well, yeah, I mean, let's say Birdo's going to fight. Bertos looks like he's going to fight Sean Porter. Porter yeah. from, from everything that I'm seeing, it looks like Porter and Porter. Uh, but it's taking so long. Poor Sean Porter, yo, friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, no one wants to fight this dude. No, it's hard because at 147, it's like if you're not on top, you know, it's hard to get a fight with a guy who should be on top. And Porter's look, viewed as a guy who's, you know, he had an extremely close fight with Keith Thurman. Sean Porter could have been fighting Danny Garcia should things have gone the other way. So, um, you know, there's really nothing left. I, I'm still of the mindset that I'd like to see Adrian Broner fight uh, Manny Pacquiao. That, that's just me. I still want to see this fight happen. Um, because either some, somebody's got to get knocked out. It's, and it's got to be a decent fight. It's two guys, strangely enough, who are both on the downsides of their career. But Adrian Broner's like 10 years younger on the downside of his career. <laughs> but um, the typical good versus evil, the trash talk, I'd be here for that fight. But everything else, like, I just don't see anybody who is appealing to me for him to fight. Uh, Jesse Vargas, and that's a top-ranked guy? No. Tim Bradley? No. Amir Khan? Maybe. But Amir Khan boxes his face off, in my opinion. So, Broner, unimpressive yet again, uh, and I really don't care where he goes from here. Um, The other fight we have to preview, Deontay Wilder returns this weekend. Um, This fight should be easy. I mean, not... He tries to fight really good heavyweights, but it just seems like people just back out on him regularly at this point. Um, And then the hand injury. So we'll see if he's going to show some of his new tricks in the bag. If he's not just going to stand there and go jab, long-reaching right hand. 
Um, Wilder, to me, is the boxing <clears throat> excuse me, equivalent of Conor McGregor, where you know what's coming. You get a check, jab, long-reaching power punch. Um, but he lands it all the time, and, and it works. We'll see if he has more than that, though. I want to see some you know, just good stiff jabs to point outpoint his opponent. I want to see work in the clinch, some uppercuts, some body work, which is something we've talked about before and how he doesn't throw body punches. And you said Ali didn't throw body punches, but different day and age. Oh, of course. Um, he has to add that to his game, and I, I want to see that in this fight. Um, yeah, I mean, he's fighting a replacement again, Gerald Washington, who's unbeaten, who hasn't necessarily beaten anybody who's worthy of mentioning, Ray Austin, Eddie Chambers. Um, so, it, I mean, yeah, it should be an easy fight for Deontay Wilder, but like I said, I just Deontay Wilder needs to stay busy because he needs to sharpen those tools. So this is a fight where hopefully he'll sharpen those tools because if he's looking down the line at a Klitschko Joshua, the winner of that fight, he's going to have to be tight and he can't rely on one punch. And he's been in there. What's interesting about Deontay Wilder is if you look at his last few fights, He's guys have hung around a lot longer than they should have. Um, yeah, has he let them know? Like, is he trying to get rounds at this point? In some ways, yes. But the, my problem is, is yes, I know you're trying to bank a few rounds. But the issue is, is when you're banking these rounds, when you have guys like Eric Molina who are clipping you, it becomes problematic because that means the longer the fight lasts, the longer the more opportunities you're giving your opponent to beat you. So now it's like, all right, you need to finish these guys off a little bit sooner. Because if you can, you might as well. So if you're going to go, the, if you're going to go eight, nine rounds, you're giving guys eight or nine rounds and the opportunity to expose you more than anything else. To expose, like the Eric Molina fight was the first fight where I looked at Wilder and I was like, "Ooh, he gets hit a lot." And then it carried on to the uh, the Spitzka fight where he was nine rounds, he was getting clipped. Ariola landed a few shots on him. So now all you're doing is giving people more tape to review of you to in preparation to fight you. And if you're not sharpening up and you're still making the same mistakes like overcommitting, um, getting hit by punches you shouldn't be getting hit by, your footwork's a little wonky at times, you know, a guy like Joshua's going to look at that tape and his team's going to pick you apart. So now you gotta either, you got to kind of pull back and stop giving so much of yourself to people that prepare for you. So and it's it's a tough way to go because you need the rounds but you can't expose yourself. So I don't <laughs> I really don't know how you do it. Yeah. You got to figure it out. There's no middle ground for him. Um, that's pretty much boxing this week, man. When we come back next week, we have more to talk about. Uh, and what we're prepping for Danny Garcia versus Keith Thurman next week. Oh, man, that sucks, man. We're going to be at UFC 209 when that fight's going I on. I know. We're on the pause. That's it. We're on the pause. Everyone respect the pause next week. Somebody's um, not going to respect it. Oh, yeah, please. If one time knocks him out, I don't want to hear it. I got to block everyone. The mute button's in full effect next week. Um... When we come back from break, though, we got to talk WWE because it's two weeks worth of WWE. We missed a lot of stuff um, by not having a show next week. So we'll do a quick recap of everything. And we have to preview another pay-per-view. I know you love these every two week shows. So we'll be right back after break. You guys stay tuned. All right, everybody, before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies bringing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk-free. 
Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping. And Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. All right. Thank you to the sponsors once again. Keeping the lights on for us so we can bring you this show free 99, um, just like you guys like it. We're talking WWE. We had Elimination Chamber, what now, a weekend ago, two weekends ago? Um, the weekend. So, Bray Wyatt as champion, finally, do you like the push? Because you've always said they haven't pushed Bray at all. Is this good enough of a push? I always said he was mankind. I always thought he can have two title reigns, you know, one title reign, and he'll be fine. I knew it was coming sooner or later, and I'm okay with this. It's longer than mankind's, like, win the belt, give it up the next night one for his first. Yeah, um... I'm going to preface it with this. I, I think I said before, I hate the pay-per-view in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. And now that there's two for the, the brands, you have Elimination Chamber and you have Fastlane. The problem with this, with Bray Wyatt's title reign, is if it's if he's dropping the strap to Orton at WrestleMania, I feel like this is kind of useless. Um, if he holds it, I'd be happy. But I, I don't like the idea of, and we'll talk about Raw as well, of us having two basically transitional champions going into WrestleMania. That's foolish to me. Um, and Bray Wyatt winning at Elimination Chamber, and so it just kind of felt rushed because we just got, we came off of this John Cena, AJ Styles match that was amazing and John Cena tying Ric Flair's record, which now I get why they underplayed the whole thing because they just knew he was dropping it two weeks later, which has got to be among John Cena's shortest title reigns of all time. Um, but... Bray Wyatt winning in this this thing with Randy Orton, because I call it a thing because I really don't know what it is yet. It it lacks a lot. And now it seems like Luke Harper is going to be thrown into the mix. And it's a really bizarre match for a WrestleMania for maybe like a um, TLC pay-per-view or even a Survivor Series. I can deal with it. Yeah. But this being our main feud from SmackDown going into WrestleMania, man, I, I'm going to put it like this. I'm glad I'm not going to WrestleMania this year. I, I'm, I'm not intrigued with this card at all. And this is Neither part of the problem. But this, yeah, this, they're giving him an opportunity. This is what the brand split does, right? No other time does Bray Wyatt have the chance to main event WrestleMania. You're right. You're, but he won't be main event. He'll probably be opening the WrestleMania up with his title match. Because now, you know, we're, you know we have the two titles again. So, uh, like, Edge and Alberto Del Rio opened up WrestleMania. Like, the title match, it's not going to headline WrestleMania. This is not the biggest match. Goldberg and Lesnar's well, they've, headlining WrestleMania. Since Royal Rumble, they've said, you know, the Orton Royal Rumble winner is going on to headline WrestleMania. Don't believe it. Because that you can't close the show with this match. Like, right now, you can't close the show with any match. Because, like, <laughs> Lesnar-Goldberg is not going to have the work rate to appease fans. But it's the biggest attraction on the card. And if you put Orton, Wyatt, Harper on after Lesnar, Goldberg, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Like you're, you're going to run into this whole, whole Triple H, Roman Reigns thing again because I just don't think this it has enough heat. 
But my bigger problem with WrestleMania is I feel like everybody is being misused. Everybody. There's so much think, talent and horrible matchups. Yeah, like I like we if well we'll talk about everything else, but briefly, right now we're looking at um Strowman, I don't know what he's doing. You know, after coming off of the Reigns match, I have no idea where he'll be going. But he seems like he's getting a push. Roman Reigns, Undertaker seems like the direction that they're going. They're clearly now going in the direction of Nikki Bella and John Cena versus the Miz and Marius, which is a match I really don't give a fuck about. None. That shit should a- be pre-show, but it's not because yeah. it's John Cena. AJ Styles, the rumor is he's facing Shane McMahon. Waste of time, waste of talent. AJ Styles is far too good to be dealing with Shane McMahon as a WrestleMania match. Uh, you have the title match with the Wyatts. Clearly, we're going to go in the direction of Jericho and Owens. To me, that could potentially close the show if Owens were to find a way to beat Goldberg. But they're not going to go that route. Goldberg's been killing everybody. So, obviously, he's got to win the title because they're going to put all the prestige and let Goldberg Lesnar. But Owens and Jericho is the hottest thing that you have going, going, going for you right now. Well, I guess they and have the like, U.S. title to still fight But who for? gives a shit about the U.S. title? No one gives a shit about the U.S. title. That's the point. But it's still a title. Yeah, but who cares? I mean... When you have a feud that has that much heat, and like I said, we'll, we'll talk about the Festival of Friendship and how, how that was the best um, program that they've had in wrestling in a long time. That was really good. I got to be there for it. I was at Raw for that. But, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of these matches just don't feel like they have a, heat, a lot of heat. And I blame this middle pay-per-view for it because you arbitrarily have these matches they kind of change direction going into WrestleMania when you can spend eight weeks kind of building towards WrestleMania. But you have this dramatic shift in direction. You have new champion. You have um, whatever whatever it is, like Roman Reigns facing Braun Strowman. Like, we should be already be working towards Roman Reigns versus Undertaker. Because it only lives you, what, like four four weeks to build towards WrestleMania? And none of these feuds have heat that I care about. Yeah, and Roman's not strong enough to really carry that feud with Taker. He could use all the time, he, you know, possible for Taker to build that feud. It's just not good, man. It's not good. So let's go back. All right. So Elimination Chamber. Um, Bray Wyatt wins. He uh, he pins AJ Styles. He pins John Cena. Okay. He's a new champ. That was great. Naomi winning the women's title, which I've said the entire time. That I, that <laughs> you are ahead I of the curve. It. I never thought we'd see it. And then I un, you know, underestimated the power of Black History Month and Vince trying to separate himself from Trump. <laughs> but... Naomi winning the title was a great moment. It sucks now that she's injured and she had to relinquish the belt on SmackDown this past Tuesday. Um, And I really don't know. It sucks. I really want to see Naomi have that title heading into WrestleMania. But now I don't know the direction that they're going to go. Alexa Bliss has won it back. Um, Whoop-de-doo. The rest of the Elimination Chamber, I don't remember. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, did he win? It was a handicap match. Handicap matches are for baby faces, right? Not heels. I don't get it. That was weird. And I like that he jumped Kalisto at first, and I thought it was just going to be a one-on-one with him and Cruz, which they actually worked pretty good together. And then Kalisto came back out and just ruined the ending, and it made Cruz look soft. Yeah, like it made him look like a little bitch. So uh, SmackDown is like SmackDown has the better show, but it's weird when you have a two-hour show become a three-hour pay-per-view when you struggle to have enough talent to fill the two-hour show. So it's like, and then you put all your talent in the main event. So I limited the chamber. Yeah, it was what it was. Uh, American Alpha, they have nothing to do. No, I mean, I like the there. I like the heel Usos, though. I'm a fan oh, the of the Sawusos, as people call them online. Listen, I'm, I'm, I like the promos they've been cutting. Um, This is the best version of the Usos. Like, this is it. And I know people are like, oh, my God, they're just a Briscoe's ripoff. Like, they're more hood than country. 
Yeah. No, I like the Usos, and I hope Tamina Snuka gets back in the picture, too, um, when they when she was around back then. But uh, the heel Usos are great. Problem is, is I think they've they've done, like, that whole uh, championship scramble, like, that shit was stupid. What was the point of that? Because it didn't even build another tag team. Like, all the tag teams in, are trash. Like, yeah. the Ascension, really? Um, but it's really the Usos and American Alpha, and they should spend the next – they should have spent the next eight weeks just – Injuring each other, beating each other up, doing something. Um, but, you know, putting, like, Breezango in the middle of this and the Ascension, it's, it's all pointless. Well, too. people got to collect their check, man. You can't be paying people for no reason. Well, I mean, have them wrestle each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> You don't want to see that shit either. <laughs> there's just no, there's no heat in the tag team division on either show now. Like, with the New Day not having the tag titles, like, nobody cares. Like, Anderson and Gallows having the tag team championships, like, them losing uh, handicap matches to Roman Reigns doesn't make them better champions you're cheapening the titles yeah so yeah elimination chamber it was a decent pay-per-view you know i'm glad to see bray wyatt win it but what do you do yeah um let's switch over to the raw side we touched on it a little bit you seem like many people to be of the opinion that kevin owens is going to drop the strap to goldberg what if brock lesnar costs goldberg what if owens holds the title and you have champion versus champion him versus Jericho to headline WrestleMania? Well, there's a couple of things here. Um, one, how do you have Kevin Owens beat Goldberg, right? That, that's the biggest question. Um, because there's two, there's two ways to look at it. One, the match can't last longer than five minutes because then you pretty much defuse everything that you did building up Goldberg in the first place because Goldberg has trucked Brock Lesnar twice at Royal Rumble and at Survivor Series Correct. in less than two minutes. So to have him last with Kevin Owens any lower, longer than that diminishes his value. This is why I keep saying there's a problem with this middle pay-per-view because these things happen. So if Lesnar interferes and costs Goldberg the title, what sense does that make? Because shouldn't Goldberg, shouldn't Lesnar want to get the title off of Goldberg heading into WrestleMania? No, it's just so, it's so heated that Lesnar's going to take whatever shot and Goldberg can't get pinned. So Goldberg would lose, but only by DQ, and you end the show with just him and Lesnar beating the hell out of each other and like going to the back. So it's a DQ. Owens doesn't even get a pin four minutes into the fight, and you end it with Lesnar, Goldberg, and Owens just sitting in the middle of the ring hugging his championship. Like, I, I would like that to happen, but I just don't think that the WWE is going to allow that to happen. I think they want to make their Goldberg-Lesnar match, even though it doesn't need the title. They want to put the title on it because they made Goldberg's last run as part of getting the WWE title. Like, they mentioned that when him entering the Royal Rumble. So I think they're going to put it on him. I hope. There's two things that I hope. One thing is I hope Jericho doesn't return anytime soon. I think the longer you keep him off of television, the more you can build this feud up. Um, and I hope he doesn't interfere in Fastlane. I hope he stays. Jericho stays far, far away from Owens until like two, like three weeks before Mania, then you can kind of really build it um, with some great promo work. Because I think Jericho is, is, has been doing his best work probably in the history of his 20-year career with Owens. Um, but, you know, I, I see everything that you're saying. I, like, I agree with it. I want to see Owens with the title at WrestleMania. I just don't think they're going to do it. And I, I can't see how they format this match because it's closing fastlane. So you have two things here. Um, you have Owens and I mean, Owens Goldberg and you have Reigns Strowman. These are two matches that I can't see either one of them going longer than 10 minutes. Oh, Reigns Strowman has to go longer. But it shouldn't. 
like I can't, I can't for the, for the sake of my eyes, I don't want to see that match go longer than ten minutes. Like I, I just don't think it's going to look good. So what else do you have on this fast lane card that's going to really you know draw people's attention? Then on top of that, Bailey just won the title at that same RAW with the Festival of Friendship. Clearly, she's going to have to drop it to Charlotte because they wouldn't be teasing this whole undefeated at the pay per view thing if it wasn't for that. Of course. So it's like Charlotte's halfway to Flair already. To right. pop, pop a Flair. It's, it's crazy. But um Yeah, man, I, I'm I really don't know what they're doing. Uh going back to this whole Owens Jericho thing and, and Goldberg Lesnar. I just really I would really wish they keep the title on Owens. I think Owens has actually earned the right to defend the title at WrestleMania because he's done pretty good having this title since August. Yeah, I think so. And him and Jericho have carried the promotion. So you know, Goldberg and Lesnar, they're great, like, nostalgia piece. But you look at it, Owens and Jericho and that friendship in the list. And, you know, Owens just selling it up, like, that there's a little bit of dysfunction and hinting at it. And his promos with Stephanie and everything else. He's carried the raw brand. You got to oh, let that guy yeah. finish it off. Like, that that's what you just got to do. You have to let him finish it off. Um, hopefully, they're smart enough to see that. Another guy where I don't know where he's going into Mania, but right now I'm just enjoying it. Samoa Joe. Yeah, um, I think everything got messed up with uh, Seth Rollins getting hurt, and I think they wanted to go the Samoa Joe Seth Rollins angle, and they, you know you're gonna have Samoa Joe uh, face Sami Zayn, which is another match that I can't see going longer than ten minutes for the benefit of Joe. It sucks for Sami Zayn, but I think to k- keep up this momentum of him being a destroyer, he has to destroy Sami Zayn at Fastlane. Um, but yeah, where does that lead him? I don't really know. The only thing that I can possibly think of, and it's really a far-fetched idea, is kind of jumps off something that you've talked about for for the last year of Triple H's guys. Kevin Owens and Triple H didn't arbitrarily have a conversation uh, last week on Raw that led to you know Kevin Owens breaking up with Chris Jericho. Kevin Owens is a Triple H guy. Samoa Joe is a Triple H guy. What if they rebooted Evolution to Revolution? With Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, and I'm not really sure who the other NXT guys would be. You know, you know who they have to bring up. Monday who? after Raw, you know who have to be the third person. Who? There has to be Nakamura in that. No, it can't be Nakamura. You Nakamura can't be. Can't I, I, be I, heel Nakamura? I love heel Nakamura. No, not, but not in the WWE. Not, not right now. No, I'm against that. Um, oh, but, heel Nakamura was my favorite New Japan Nakamura. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it, it's hard to make sense out of turning Nakamura heel right now. But I like the way that Triple H has been with Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens. Like, those two guys are like his enforcers. And you have Triple H at the front of the pack. Um, that makes sense to me. Like, and, you know, to kill Seth Rollins, to kill Roman Reigns, to kind of yeah. just kind of crush everybody. Um, they do need a third guy. Because if you can swing it and build that narrative until the draft, and then you can have some type of shield reunion versus the new evolution, that shit sets off SummerSlam and makes SummerSlam one of the biggest pay-per-views we've had in years. Yeah, so I'd like to see it doubtful. You know, I just came up with it, so it's like it's probably not going to happen. It's a good idea. They're probably not going to run with it. Um, but, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where Samoa Joe goes from here. Uh, but can, let's talk about the Festival of Friendship. Like, what did you think about it? I thought this was, like, a great, great, great way to break these two up. I thought so, too. I mean... I'm of the opinion, I think that you mentioned it earlier, that it's still a little too early to break them up, but they broke them up the right way. So if they were going to break them up, this was the perfect angle. 
Um, I'm glad it happened in Vegas. They played, you know, Jericho played everything up. Like, it was the grandest of stages and everything. It was the perfect location for the breakup. Um, <laughs> Owens, with his own list, with the KO sticker on the back and just oh, Jericho's man. name. It's It was great. The picture. I want that picture in my house. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm telling you, when I get my new apartment, it's on. I'm going to have Owens and Jericho right in my living room. And no one can say anything to me about it. Um, it. It was just amazing all the way around. And the pop, not the pop-up powerbomb, but the powerbomb against the apron that, you know, supposedly injured Sami Zayn and has taken so many people out, taking Chris Jericho out. It was perfect, perfect way to, to do that. The only thing that worries me is if you keep Jericho off of television, does this now mean that face Jericho, because he's super over, has to go over on Kevin Owens? Because that's how this usually plays out, right? Um, I think Sami Zayn angle is the only one where Kevin Owens actually came back and crushed him again. Yeah, so that's one, the Festival of Friendship, yeah. I thought Jericho did phenomenal work. I thought at, there was a certain point during the Festival of Friendship where I, I legitimately thought they weren't going to turn him. Uh, you know, I was just like, I didn't think Kevin Owens was going to turn. The moment where Jericho got the Kevin Owens list and his face and the way that, that Jericho allowed the crowd. This is Jericho being Jericho and being probably like he gets it. The way he allowed the crowd to let that moment sink in that first this was Kevin Owens list. And, and you know, Jericho's incredulously asking, like, why am I on this list? And the way everybody and I remember how I reacted. Like, my jaw dropped. And I was like, oh, shit. And you see Kevin Owens allowing it to sink in. This was like, dude, most actors can't pull this off the way that these two did. Like, this was done so well. And, like, the Guggenheim statue, the magician getting put on the list, um, the the, uh, the birth of Adam, or I can't remember the name of that photo, with uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho touching fingers. And Kevin Owens said he can't hang it up because he's got kids at his house. And Jericho's <laughs> not wearing pants. Look, this was, like, an excellent segment. And... And the nod and wink to the uh, the barbershop uh, treatment that uh, that Shawn Michaels kicking Marty Jannetty by by Owen slamming uh, Jericho into the glass, like, dude, it was so good. I just don't want them to fuck it up by either bringing back Jericho too early, and I kind of I don't want to see Jericho win this feud. I want to see Jericho lose, and it's pro- partially because as great as work as Jericho's done. Um, I don't necessarily need to see him win the title, which uh, which wouldn't happen. But I think Owens, being a dubious, a dashingly heel, needs to go over. And I think that like once all the part timers disappear, Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, who sits on top of the Raw brand is the biggest heel, and that could either be Samoa Joe or Kevin Owens. And I think it needs to be Kevin Owens. Well, you need two definitely with such a huge roster. At least right. you need two, because you think Finn is coming back. Um, uh, that's the guy. That's the guy. He could be in, in revolution. I, I would love it, but oh yeah, I mean, I, I guess that that'd be great because it's a natural spinoff to Seth Rollins. Finn got to cost Seth Rollins against Triple H. Then, like, I hate like so many like bogus endings, but that's the WWE nowadays. Um, Seth Rollins has to be in position to beat Triple H at WrestleMania, and then Finn come out and cost Seth Rollins and shake Triple H's hand and go full heel. Or he you know, doesn't show up for WrestleMania, you know what, he just shows up after. You know, that's, to be fair, it's the new Bullet Club. Because if you look at the champions, they're going to put Gallows and Anderson with Finn. Right. And then if you put Owens and Joe, it's the strongest stable you can probably have. 
hey, look, I'm here for it. And I, I don't really speculate on things that feel like uh, really outlandish. And I think this idea in itself is not going to happen. But the, in order for like, I'm trying to weave this this web that Triple H is, is done. And it just doesn't feel like it's just be again, it's not being done arbitrarily. Triple H getting in Kevin Owens ear was not for no reason. Exactly. And Samoa Joe's undying love for triple h is not for it is it was it didn't happen arbitrarily for no reason and don't so, forget seth rollins went to nxt to call out triple h right so and it's there's like a, a, there's a dissension there's there's a dividing line between triple h's nxt guys and the character triple h plays in nxt where he's loved to the hated character he is in the main roster. And how do you keep both on the same level? Is that main roster guys hate NXT Triple H and everything yeah. that has to do with it and the hand-picked guys. And, and there's so many ways to play it. But I'm just looking at, you go after WrestleMania, like Finn Balor, heel Balor, you know, as Prince Devitt in, in the Bullet Club uh, in New Japan, he was a great heel. Um, and if you put Balor and you surprise fans by turning him heel upon his return after WrestleMania, if you're going to go that route, and you have him aligned, which it's it'll seem odd to have Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe because they did feud. But you know, shit, if they do it all in the Triple H, because you know Balor's a Triple H guy. Yeah, um, I mean it. It's a perfect dynamic because Joe's the enforcer, who can also speak, but Joe's the enforcer. Kevin Owens is the mouthpiece, and Finn is the the prototype. He's and Finn has always had someone else talk for him, which is mind boggling that they try to make him talk in the WWE. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because so, Anderson was his mouthpiece in New Japan. Right. Um, so let, let's move on. Let's, was there anything else? What did you think about Bailey winning the title against uh, Charlotte on last week's Raw? Um, I thought it was a good moment for Bailey. I didn't expect it. Um, but it's, it's bittersweet, right? Because Sasha came out. I thought Sasha was going to turn on her. I thought that would have been a great angle. Um, I thought we were going to see heel Sasha again. But it didn't. They just hugged it out. And we just know that she's going to drop it to Charlotte because there's one more pay-per-view. So <laughs> the it, damn middling pay-per-view. Yeah, so world. if we didn't, even if they built it to WrestleMania, I would have been okay. Um, if there was some sort of tag match at this pay-per-view, you know, Charlotte, Nia versus Sasha and Bayley, where Bayley, you know, loses or does something to cost Sasha to lose and Sasha flips on her. And then you build the Fatal 4-Way off of that. That would make a lot more sense than Charlotte going one-on-one -on -one and getting her title back. Yeah, so the, the interesting thing about this is I think you can't turn Sasha heel until... And if you're going to go that route, you can't do it until after WrestleMania. Um, because in a Fatal 4-Way, you can't have three heels in Bayley. I think it'd be foolish. Uh, and the way they're playing this up right now, it's odd because it's, it's Dana Brooke being in the middle of this again and not Nia Jax who was end up in another squash match. So you got to work your way back to getting Nia involved in this feud because they, they've clearly just separated Sasha and Nia like it never happened. Yeah. So that, that's, it's weird. They've gone that route. And then on top of that, um, you had the, the debut and the disappearance again of Emma as Emma Lena. Um, and I want to shout gone. out. <laughs> yeah. I want to shout out the fight network real quick because, uh, I can't remember who it was, but they came up with this idea of Emma, will come back as E-M-M-A Emma, Mixed Martial Arts Emma. And I thought it was such a great idea. And I wish the WWE would listen to it. Um, essentially, they wanted her to come out in that gown and then stick a mouthpiece in and put it on some MMA gloves and be Emma. <laughs> and I thought it was 
Yo, I thought it was the greatest idea. I was like, dude, that would be perfect. But I don't know what we're going to do with Emma. 17 weeks, we had to wait, and then she just goes back and disappears. I've, rumor says that they just couldn't get her to nail the character. It was too much like Eva Marie, but they, they desperately need women uh, in this division. Desperately, desperately, desperately. Because whatever happens at WrestleMania, they got to go from there. Bottom line, though, is I don't see anybody beating Charlotte at a pay-per-view. It's like Charlotte loses at every Raw, but at pay-per-view, she just wins the title. How long can this go on? Yeah, uh, at least until Mania. I would love to see it go on until SummerSlam, though. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I'd like to see it go on until next WrestleMania. But it's just... It's too predictable at a certain point. Yeah, because, I mean, at that point, she's going to end up with 12 championships. Because they're going to let other people hold it. It's just, um, you know, until pay-per-views come around. Or you can keep her out of the pay-per-view matches um, so it doesn't affect her streak. Which is also possible if you want to do, like, you know, a Sasha feud with Bayley or something. Um, But I I want to see Charlotte as the champion because... it's weird because SmackDown has money in the bank this year as a right. SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view. But I would love for them to do a money in the bank match on Raw. Just a match. Just for the women. Let the so, men on SmackDown have it. But give us a women's money in the bank match. And I think a, it'd be a really good thing on Raw. I, I think they can do it. Well, who do you put in the match? That's that's my problem. Me Dana that Brooke, question. Dana Brooke, Bailey, Sasha, Nia. Um, I, I would say Emmalina, but I mean Emma's kind of out of it right now. Um, who else do they have? I'd have exactly. to look up the roster. But they had <laughs> I, it's two more women. I've seen our truth and Goldust in these matches. Listen, we can make it work. Um, if it's to just me- too predictable. Like that's my problem with it. It's too predictable. Only like three women can win that match. That's not like, bad. That's better than one. Like, what are you talking? That the odds aren't horrible there. Then, but at SmackDown, and this is why I like SmackDown's women's division so much better right now is because it's really it's unpredictable. Like with Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Mickey James, um, and Naomi, and it's like at least you have like. It's not as predictable. Like, Raw is just extremely predictable with the women's division. And they just need – I mean, I don't know when Asuka shows up. It's got to be soon uh, because maybe Asuka's the one that's going to dethrone Charlotte. Maybe, maybe Asuka shows up on Raw. But I, I have a feeling yeah. they're going to throw on SmackDown. I don't it's know. It's so crazy because the NXT women's division is about to be stacked. Stacked. Their signings in the women's division is incredible. NXT in the next year will rival – the main roster as far as talent in the women's division. And I don't even care if Oscar moves up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's they, true. they, I mean, Nikki cross is going to be great. Um, they have obviously Ember moon. Who's been crazy. Good. Um, Oscar's there. They just got another signing who just debuted. Um, I have to look it up. But yeah. they signed um, two people from the UK, and it's just like, yo, they're, it's crazy how good they're getting. And, and that's that's the thing. It's like, yo, there's so much talent. You look at um in LA, they just had uh, Blanchard filming the movie with The Rock. So yeah. you have Tessa, and then you have um the Spanish chick as well as stunt doubles. Like, how long until they're in NXT? So it's, It'll be interesting to see. it's going to be stacked. NXT, I don't know what they do for tag teams. Um, 
coming up in the next year. But as far as singles, single male talent and single women's talent, they're going to be fine. Well, I hope so. Um, is there anything else to talk about off of Raw? Um, no, that's pretty much it, Wait. man. Yes, we do. We have. What do you think about the New Day hosting WrestleMania? Oh, I like it. Um, they're so much more than wrestlers right now. It, it really, it's just the truth. They're more than wrestlers. They have the potential to transcend the WWE. They are the face of the company. So regardless of what people want to say, they are the face. The WWE has to sell something. They want to be on Good Morning America. They want to do something. They send the New Day. And this is a perfect role for them. This doesn't mean that, you know, the winner of whatever tag team titles that night can't jump the New Day. Or we can't have another New Day versus a classic veteran stable moment. The New Day is going to be on the show, not once. It's not going to be one Bootyos reveal. It's going to be like four times. And you got six hours to fill. Or more. So if you have six hours, you put the New Day on every hour and a half, I'll take it. I don't know, man. Um, They're going to have I mean, four I'll... different costumes, four different entrances, some old school people. I, I love it. I my thing is that the new, after ever since the new day lost the titles it's everything's like nothing has mattered for the new day they've been involved with feuds with like Titus O'Neil the beat of Bo Dallas um, Rusev who is the most underutilized talent on the roster it used to be Sami Zayn but now it's becoming Rusev which is really sad <laughs> um, but it's like the new day have not been involved in anything significant for the past few weeks them hosting WrestleMania. My other problem with WrestleMania is I fear that you say six hours. I fear this is going to be like an eight-hour show. I fear this thing is going to start at like one o'clock. It can't be longer than Wrestle Kingdom. That was crazy. No, 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 no. Last year's WrestleMania started at two. Two. And then I don't think we left the Cowboy Stadium until like 9.30. It's like seven and a half hours with the pre-show. That show was unbelievably long. Like Wrestle Kingdom's long. Wrestle Kingdom is an intermission. Where you can just go and do something else. Like there's just enti- like WrestleMania is entirely too long. It's like now that they have the network, it feels like the WWE is just like ah, we don't give a fuck. You're gonna be here all day. Like they don't have they don't have to go off the air. They can stay as long as they want. So I don't know. I can't fathom watching New Day every hour for six hours. Like it's gonna become a grind at a certain point. And hopefully they have some good things in store and some good guests and some good ideas. But you know, um. I, I really don't like after you host WrestleMania, then what do you do with the new day? It's like, I don't think you break them up. And that's the thing that I'm, that always happens with these tag teams, but where do they go? I mean, maybe what, let's, let's introduce a six man tag team title. Like they do in Ring of Honor <laughs> in New Japan, like yeah. something. I, I, I'm not getting enough of seeing Big E wrestle. Right. And that's always been my issue. Cause I think he's a great talent. Um, he's, he's great on the mic, but I think he's, he has like a, a, an intermediate title run in him, or maybe he has a major title run in him. Um, but being tied to the New Day is not holding him back. It's just we need something for them to do. And with the lack of tag teams and with the lack of opposition and the lack of, of full-blown heels, there's not a lot for the New Day to do but these comedic segments where they rely on themselves to get themselves over. And they've already done that. Enzo and Big Cass have lost a ton of momentum, in my opinion. Enzo becoming the guy who just gets squashed every match, um, they're not as big as they were. Yeah, the catchphrase gets them over, but I'm not really intrigued by anybody in the tag team division right now. Yeah, I mean, there would be a great face to the tag team division if they get that push again. It's just been so long. 
And Enzo has been a jobber. Big Cass has looked strong. But we saw it in NXT. They they were glorified jobbers. Right? Yeah. They've always been. They never held the titles. They put everyone over. And it didn't hurt them. Still loved their debut. Still loved the trash talk. So it's what they are. Now, should they hold the titles? Yeah, probably so. But if they job out to Gallows and Anderson, would I be surprised? Not one bit, because that's what they've been. Yeah. Um, the last thing, SmackDown, they have this Ted Man Battle Royal. I don't want to talk about anything else. Like Naomi relinquishing the title, that sucks. And and we can dive into that when I really have an understanding of what's going on with Naomi. Um, the rest of SmackDown was inconsequential except for this Ten Man Battle Royal. This Ten Man Battle Royal perfectly illustrated the lack of talent because Mojo Raleigh and Kalisto and Apollo Crews were in a Ten Man Battle Royal to see who was going to WrestleMania. <laughs> what in Listen, all of the fucks? I don't know why you throw Apollo Cruz name in there like he shouldn't be. But he shouldn't be. That's a damn shame. But it, my point is like he hasn't done anything to warrant being involved in this in this battle royal. Like him losing a handicap match to Dolph Ziggler with Kalisto should automatically eliminate him from ever thinking of headlining WrestleMania. Right? So it's like this battle royal just happened and there was only like the only outcome that this the problem again with SmackDown. It was too predictable because we knew that Luke Harper had to be involved in this feud with Orton and, and Bray Wyatt because Orton refusing to face Bray Wyatt or what have you. Yeah. So it can't really go any other way than Luke Harper winning. So you you spent an hour and like 20 minutes watching ring entrances with this 10-man battle royal knowing you're going to get to this finish with AJ Styles. Either AJ Styles and Cena and Luke Harper or AJ Styles and Luke Harper. Now, we clearly are going the direction of Cena and Miz, which is trash, by the way. But... Now, next week, we get to see what happens, and I, I'm assuming that Shane... It's, like, way too predictable. Shane McMahon is going to cost AJ Styles his chance at WrestleMania, and that's what's going to ignite their feud. So it's going to be a three-way match with Harper, Owens, and Wyatt uh, fighting for the title. Um, why do we have to take so many steps to get there? Because I don't think it's making fans care anymore. And, is, and here's my question to you, Kel. Is Luke Harper a believable guy to win the title? No. But I feel like Rowan is on his way back. And if Luke Harper can once again side with Bray Wyatt and allow Bray Wyatt to go over on Randy Orton at WrestleMania, and we see a, maybe an Eric Rowan lights out entrance, and you got to, Eric Rowan's not going to save the day, but he has to catch the random RKO. Because you need a RKO out of nowhere spot, right? So Eric Rowan comes in with the light goes out. Oh, White family's back. RK out of nowhere. And then Luke Harper has to take the RKO for Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt hits Sister Abigail and wins and goes over on Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And then you have the powerful faction that the Wyatt family is supposed to be. So here's my question. How do we get to Randy Orton turning on Bray Wyatt? From what you're seeing right now. Oh, it has to happen in the match. So they have to be together the entire time and you think their allegiance is to each other until the match itself and Harper and Wyatt have had it in and planned all along because Harper has never said he hated Bray Wyatt. He just said that Randy Orton has stolen his family. And then you you just have you have Wyatt and Orton keep going after Mania. And, you know, Wyatt says, I saw the snake in the grass, blah, blah, blah. We had to weed him out. All that stuff. Yada, yada, yada. Cut the promos. 
so so if let's just say what you're saying is true, which I don't think it will be, because my problem is how do you build up a WrestleMania match that people will care about if you keep Orton and Wyatt in cahoots the entire time? Because Harper isn't a guy who can carry a feud into WrestleMania. Well, with, we don't know. We've never had. We've never seen him do it. But I, but I have but faith in Luke Harper, by the way. I have I have zero faith in the WWE because they're taking too long to get there. Like that's that's my problem with this whole thing. Like the Jericho Owens feud works because you you kind of sow these seeds for so long. So when it, there's a payoff, when it happens, like if if Orton doesn't turn on Wyatt soon, there's no heat, real heat going into this match because that's where the heat is, and it's obvious heat. It's not like we're going any other direction than Orton versus Wyatt somehow at WrestleMania. But the way that they play this out, you like the turn's got to happen. But again, it draws too many parallels to what we just saw with Jericho and Owens, but it's, it'll be a little bit darker is the only thing. Because you have two guys that work together and you expect them to break up and you expect them to break up and you expect them to break up and they don't break up. Then they finally do break up. So why are you doing the same exact storyline on SmackDown as you're doing on Raw? Like that... To me, it's a lesser angle. It, it, it just has, it has one more person involved, which is Luke Harper. But it's hard for you to tell me. Like, you can't tell me right now that they'll do it next week or the week after because it's too close to the Jericho Owens breakup. Yeah. And then your, your title feuds are kind of wrapped around these two feuds. So it's like, well, when, when does Orton say, fuck you, Bray? Like, I mean, to have it happen in the match is kind of pointless because the whole point of building towards WrestleMania is having heat. And so, I don't think Luke I guess Harper's you want like, it what the week right before the go home show. I don't know. You want, you want Wyatt to just take the RKO out of nowhere? It's just I don't know how it happens and when it happens. And it, they're gonna have to do a damn good job because whatever what they did with Jericho and Owens was great. What they're gonna do with Orton and Wyatt is gonna be like, eh, I can't see it being anything where it happens and I'm like, oh shit, I can't believe it. It's not there for me. Yeah. I, once again. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that we don't know what's necessarily going to happen or when it's going to happen leading into WrestleMania? Well, it's a bad thing when you know it's going to happen and you're just waiting for it to happen. Okay. That's my point. It's <laughs> well, like we, I mean, it's we the all same know thing this with Goldberg and Lesnar. Like we assume Goldberg's going to win the title. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like in terms of storyline angles, like you knew Bray Wyatt was going to win the title in Elimination Chamber because there's no other way they could go. Yeah. You know that Orton's going to turn on Bray Wyatt. All we're doing is extending this thing out to when is it going to happen, and it's not. And my biggest problem is it's not necessarily entertaining while it's happening. Jericho and Owens was entertaining the entire time. This hasn't necessarily been. There's no entertainment value in me watching Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. When they lost the tag title, like the most entertainment I got was when they were the tag champs. But now that they don't have those titles, there's nothing entertaining about these two together. There's nothing like when they break up, I'm not going to feel anything. There, there, there's not festival of friendship. There's nothing there. Like they already, you know, pushed Luke Harper out supposedly. I just I don't I don't get what they're doing, and it, it, I don't get why we're having things happen. Um, that we know are going to happen, we're just kind of waiting for them to happen. Well, I have more faith in SmackDown than I do Raw, as far as creativity and writing is concerned. So I'll let this one play out. Raw, I have no faith in. They'll probably give the belt to Goldberg. Kevin Owens will go for the Universal title and probably lose. Stupid. Yeah. Or, I mean, the U.S. title and probably lose. So that's our road to WrestleMania. Next week, we'll have the go-home show after Goldberg returns. So we'll have a better preview of Fastlane. We'll have a full preview of UFC. 
next week, um, UFC 209 is coming up. Man, we have boxing with Garcia Thurman. It's going to be a packed week on next week's show. So you guys stay tuned. Hopefully Chris Brown doesn't do any crazy shit or we don't get like McGregor Mayweather confirmed or something to even add to our workload. So until next week, I'm Kel Dansby. You know, follow me on all platforms at Kel Dansby. Follow at Andreas Hale on everything because he doesn't even give you his social media shit all, all the time anymore. Um, he's an old man. He's get off my lawn, Andreas Hale. It's, it's what it is. Um, and until next week's show, yo, we're out. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.